wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck dude. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I'm pretty. I know I'm pretty. But I'm most of all the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is... And all my magnificent, you're gonna be mine all night long. Here's Jonathan Hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks so much for downloading the podcast, as always. Tell people that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. You can get a chance to check out the podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. Just go to ESPN1000, the number, ESPN1000.com. You see all the podcasts from our staff at ESPN1000, including Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. There's a way to download the podcast. Also, however you download your podcast, tell people they can do that as well on Spotify and Stitcher and SoundCloud and Google Pods. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We've been running for a long time, and we thank you so much for supporting the podcast here in 2020 and beyond. By the way, if you have missed previous episodes of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, like our two-part series on the celebration of the life of Pat Patterson, I hope you get a chance to hear that. Pat Patterson, the father of the Royal Rumble Uh, an event that's been in the WWE since the late 80s. The story of how Dick Ebersol, the uh, NBC sports president at the time, really loved the concept of the Royal Rumble, and Vince McMahon said, no, no, it's a stupid idea, and Dick says, no, that would be great television. And, of course, Vince was all about it, especially when Dick Ebersol from NBC liked it, right? And, of course, that's all part of the USA Network and NBC, and, of course, here in 2020, the Royal Rumble is one of the tentpole signature events for the WWE. But Pat Patterson was a big part of that. Pat Patterson was there in the Attitude Era. They had to be part of the decision-making process to screw Bret Hart out of the WWE Championship against Shawn Michaels. And just part of the Attitude Era, even before then, uh, WrestleMania won. Pat Patterson was the main referee in the ring for the main event for WrestleMania 
involving Mr. T and Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff and Roddy Piper. I mean, a lot of that history is surrounding Pat Patterson as an executive in the WWE. And even before that, we cover his wrestling career in San Francisco and in Florida, uh, in the AWA in Minneapolis. So we really try to give you the full gamut when it comes to Pat Patterson and his career. Hope you get a chance to hear. It's two parts. I didn't want to put everything on you know, in one two-hour special. So we did uh, part one. That was about an hour plus, And uh, part two is about an hour as well. And you hear from his friends like um, Jim Cornette and Dave Meltzer and Bruce Pritchard. And so many had so many great things to say about really a great, not good, but a great wrestling figure over the years, whether it's him in the ring or as a great finish guy. You look and think about great finishes in the world of wrestling. Pat Patterson was that. So I I really want to put my time into it. And it was actually the podcast was a little bit late when we put it out because I want to make sure that we get everything when it comes to Pat Patterson and his career. So check that out. Pat Patterson, part one, part two, part of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All right, in this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, my friends, we will talk about the art of storytelling with Kenny Omega becoming the new All Elite Wrestling Heavyweight Champion. And it is interesting because, as I've told you in previous episodes, when I saw the song and dance routine from MJF and Chris Jericho, I told you that I wasn't going to watch All Elite Wrestling Dynamite uh, anymore or the AEW Dark Show. I wasn't going to watch it until January of 2021, and I've held true. I've been able to free up my time to watch the relaunch of Major League Wrestling, the relaunch and the brief relaunch of the National Wrestling Alliance uh, on that show on YouTube, uh, to be able to watch a little bit of stuff from New Japan. So um, me not watching All Elite Wrestling and being invested for two hours plus the time that I would be spending possibly on AEW Dark, no, I wasn't going to do that because I was completely insulted by what I saw from, uh, from Chris Jericho and MJF. And sometimes a man just has to make a stand, and I made my stand. So because of that, I am aware of what's going on because, after all, I'm a wrestling fan, but I choose to spend my time watching something else. Uh, But I have seen these clips on Twitter and on Instagram regarding uh, what All Elite Wrestling is doing, and I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating, and it is intriguing because – in wrestling, the one thing you want is mystery, right? You want a story told, but you want mystery. At least that's how I look at it as a wrestling fan. Hey, you as a wrestling fan might just love spots. And I know that's getting increasingly more the case in wrestling now with some wrestling fans. They just want spots over story. And it's I don't know what else is new about wrestling when it comes to spots. But something that we could see moving forward, I'd like to see more of, is a compelling storyline. And I love what's happening now with Kenny Omega as he's the new AEW champion. Let's go back and hear the closing moments of Kenny Omega 
winning the AEW championship against John Moxley. I didn't want Moxley to lose. Like I, I didn't think that it was his time on a non-pay-per-view on Winter is Coming for him to lose a championship. But as I mentioned, I have not seen the full show since that whole Jericho MJF situation. Uh, but I have seen what's going on on Instagram. So let me fire it up here. The closing moments of the matchup in which Kenny Omega wins the All Elite Wrestling Championship. Kenny Omega spiked John Moxley right between the eyes. Oh, Moxley's bleeding. Yeah, oh, oh that's John, Mo- John Moxley has been busted open profusely. And, and Moxley, you can see, very dazed. And, and Kenny is, is pulling his knee pad down to expose that knee. They had a gentleman's agreement. What happened to the gentleman's agreement? Oh, the feet trigger. What happened to the gentleman's agreement they talked about? I don't know, Tony. No! Second one. This has not got any peaceful, easy feeling about it whatsoever. How much more can the champion take? That's what I want to know. How much more? I've got another one. And that time the head hit to the middle or bottom turnbuckle. The bloody champion being pulled to his feet. Four consecutive V-triggers. Moxley with his hands down, unable to protect himself. And now Omega, the challenger has an opportunity to do something no one in AEW has done. Defeat John Winged Angel. One winged angel. Shoulders are down. New champion. With the winner of this match. It was unbelievable to see what happened there. Kenny Omega wins the All Elite Wrestling Championship. Now, let's talk about storytelling for a moment. So, apparently Don Callis has been going to All Elite Wrestling several times to be a color commentator because God knows All Elite Wrestling needs a fourth man in the booth with JR, Excalibur, and Tony. But... I understand that Don Callis has had this connection with Kenny Omega going back a while, right? Because there is a connection family-wise with Kenny Omega and Don Callis. Now, I'm a fan of Don Callis. It goes back to his days as a jackal in the WWE, watching him be part of the broadcast team with Joey Styles and ECW. I thought he was excellent. Uh, being part of uh, Impact Wrestling, well, you know, I, as a color commentator, very good. There's things in Impact Wrestling that I don't understand. There's some really good tag teams there. There's some good, pretty good action there. I was there at the last Bound for Glory, uh, not this past year, but when it was in Chicago recently, when the Bound for Glory was here. I was there at the Odeon in Villa Park, Illinois, to see it, and the fans are into it. They know exactly what's going on storyline-wise, and a lot of good action, top to bottom, really solid action from Impact Wrestling. When I was there for Bound for Glory. And uh, so Don Callis, I've seen what he's been able to do being part of New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. Been watching him there as well. And I thought that he and Kevin Kelly worked very well for New Japan Pro Wrestling too. And so 
to see him in Impact Wrestling, I thought he'd have a bigger impact, uh, no pun intended, as far as the company becoming bigger and better. Of course, slow and steady wins the race. Access TV is not really available to everyone across the country. I understand that I have Access TV, AXS TV, so I'm familiar with the channel. And from time to time, I will watch Impact Wrestling. But just to see Don Callis there representing Impact Wrestling a couple times and being on AEW TV, I knew something was going on, but you just weren't sure. And so there he was, Don Callis, as a fourth man on that broadcast team. And he's come down to ringside to try to help uh, Kenny Omega, who's in peril, who's in trouble on the floor. Uh, He gets up on the apron, and there is... There is John Moxley nailing Don Callis. All of a sudden, the microphone that Don Callis had, in which I think he might have was trying to say, hey, I'm going to call this for Kenny Omega. I'm going to say, hey, he quits. Whatever whatever the reason, right? Whatever the reason why he had the microphone, somehow the microphone got to Kenny Omega's hands. You heard right there in the commentary that Kenny Omega was busted open. And then, of course, the match went on from there and Moxley got beat. But you love the idea that Don Callis was there at AW Dynamite, but you didn't know the reason why. You weren't sure of the backstory. And here's where it's great. After the match is done, if you watch this, there is Don Callis and Kenny Omega running out of Daly's place, running out of the arena, right? Running out of the arena, and they're gone. They're going to the outside. They're going to a town car that's waiting for them, a truck that's waiting for them. And they say, hey, we'll see you on Tuesday night. And you're like, Tuesday night? Wait, that's when Impact is going to air. The next time you're going to see the AEW champion was not on Dynamite, but it was actually on Impact Wrestling. And so there's Josh Matthews. And boy, there's some funny parts of this conversation. I I, I really enjoyed uh, the backstory how everything was laid out, and, of course, the shots at Josh Matthews, the voice of Impact Wrestling. Listen closely on how this all is laid out because this is part of history that we're seeing here for for professional wrestling here in 2020. Oh, Oh, the champ is here. Look what I brought with me, huh? Yeah. Look what I brought with me. How are you doing, buddy? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Let's uh, take it out. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you for your time, obviously. Can I just uh, cut you off? It. Just let me cut you off. Uh, do you want to witness a little history? Have you ever seen history? I don't think you have. Uh, we got a special treat on behalf of the real world champion and Don Callis. Uh-huh. The ceremonial changing of the nameplate, says John Moxley now still. Been a little while. Yeah. Time to change it. We wanted to wait and do it here. This normally would have happened on AEW television, but Kenny Omega wanted to give a gift the impact so just kind of uh talk amongst yourself josh i'm gonna just get this thing off here so we can do the changing and the switch on on this television program you like that kid so so while you're doing that don as we've been talking about throughout the broadcast this past wednesday night on aew dynamite on tnt you were there for commentary and as you said at full gear you and kenny are family Mm -hmm. but you jumped off commentary and you physically got involved in the match. And while we'll, we'll get to that, my first question is, how long has this been in the works? You know what, Josh? Just hold off. Let's have a little history here. Let's give the people a little show. Kenny Omega nameplate. We got to see it here first. Kenny, look, I got the, got the old John Moxley nameplate. <laughs> well, we don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> hey, you were close with Ambrose, right? 
You, tough enough season one, right? He's an you, old you, Stanford stooge. You want a little Give bit of a him. souvenir? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I don't need it. No, we don't need that. <laughs> all right, all right. You wanted to know, I think, well, when this all started and, you know, people like you that kind of live moment to moment in your lives. Kenny Omega and I think in years. You want to know when this started? You probably expect me to go, last week. No, <laughs> not two weeks ago, not two years ago. Not even two decades ago, 27 years ago, this happened when I was trained as a professional wrestler by the Golden Sheik, who was a wrestler in Canada. You know what? Do we hey. have the Sheik's picture? Could hey. you bring that? There we go. There you are. That's your boy there with your, with your uncle. It's my uncle. The Golden Sheik was Kenny Omega's uncle. He not only trained me as a wrestler, he was my manager, and he took me in and he took care of me. And 27 years ago, he introduced me to his nephew, a 10-year-old curly-haired kid named Kenny. And for all of Kenny's formative years, I have looked after Kenny like the Sheik looked after me. And Kenny always had something special, and I've always been there. I've always been the invisible hand in his life like I've been in professional wrestling for the last number of years. Did you really think, Josh Matthews, that I got back into this business five years ago to do a podcast? Is that what you thought? Did you people honestly think that I came back out of a successful international business career to be the color commentator for New Japan Pro Wrestling? No. It was all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan for me to be next to Kenny when he won the IWGP heavyweight title. It was all part of the plan for me to come to Impact Wrestling like I did, Josh. It was all part of the plan when Tony Khan invited me into his house very graciously at Kenny's request to call Kenny's match where he won the tournament over Adam Page. It was all part of the plan when I was such a good guy that Tony Khan graciously invited me back into his house to call the world title match against John Moxley. You see, Kenny and Don Callis, we're family. Most people in wrestling don't understand anything about that. What we do is change history. We've done it, Kenny, not just once, no. but twice. We did it three years ago, almost to the day when I booked Kenny Omega with Chris Jericho in the Tokyo Dome, the match that changed the course of wrestling history, the match that Tony Khan said gave birth to AEW. He said it himself, Don. He did. He said it himself many, many times. A lot of people take credit for what we accomplished. They have. they have. And for all you people who love AEW, it's great. And you're like welcome. <laughs> Just send thank you cards to me and Kenny Omega because we made that happen. Some people get to change history once. No one changes it twice. Never. And what we did last Wednesday night on Dynamite was changed the course of wrestling history. They're calling it the golden screw job. They're calling it the biggest screw job in wrestling since Montreal. Yeah. And I don't see it that way. I see it as setting the course of history right. Because now, what have you got? You've got what you always wanted. The greatest wrestler in the history of this business, a Hall of Famer in his mid-30s, is your AEW world champion. And we did it together. And that's what makes it the most special. You see, some people make matches. Uh -huh. Some people like to make memories. Uh -huh. Kenny Omega and Don Callis, we make history. <laughs> With all that being said, yeah. do you feel that what happened Wednesday 
tarnishes your legacy? What is wrong with you? Don't have okay, can you, can what you is you're... wrong with you? No, what no, is no, no, wrong no, with no, you? Hey, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Ignorant no. little worm. Hey, Josh, could, could you repeat the question, please? Could you could you could you repeat the question, please? I just, I just want to make sure I just heard it correctly. With all due respect. Okay. And with Don yeah. physically getting involved I, I in the match. respect me. Passing you the microphone uh -huh. that you used off the skull of John Moxley <sighs> to become AEW world champion. Yeah. The way it played out, uh -huh. do you feel... You might have me do a little bit of a, a role reversal here. What, what, what if I assume the role of interviewer right now? Let me ask you a question, Josh, okay? Let me ask you a question. Okay, do you have a, a father or a father figure in your life right now? Yeah, you do? Okay, now what would happen if somebody that you hated, someone that you despised for no reason at all, had the unmitigated gall to put their hands on your father, to strike your father down right before your very eyes? Would you hit them back? If you saw something laying before your feet, would you pick up that object and strike the man that struck your father? Huh? Would you exact the measure of revenge? I think you would. Now, yes, I had placed a gentleman's agreement on this match with John Moxley, okay? And I protected it to the best of my ability. But when you involve family in the way that you did, when you lay your hands on the architect, when you lay your hands on the invisible hand, what do you expect me to do? Of course, when you get a little pissed off, a little pissed off right now, you, Josh, okay? You, you, it's just like you, especially from the place you came from, to have that to have that arrogance. I'm going to answer all your questions all wrapped under one big nice package right now. You're probably wondering, okay, do I feel like I tarnished the legacy? The answer is no. Everybody wanted me to be the champion. Everybody needed me to be the champion. When people talk about the greatest matches of all time, guess who's had them? You're looking at them. You're not just talking about singles matches. We're talking about cinematic matches, hardcore matches, tag team matches. My name is in a list of all of them. You talk about the top 20 AEW matches, I'm in about, I don't know, uh, 17 of them. When you talk about the top matches in Mexico, that's me too. You talk about the top matches in Japan, that's me too. England, UK, Zimbabwe, you name it! I'm probably there, okay? So me coming here to Impact, oh, you, you should start really treating me better, okay? You really should. And now I'm getting pissed off. So... Finally, what, what, what I'm, what I'm going to ask, I'm, I, know, I know where you're going with it, so I'm, so I'm going to answer the question. What am I doing here? What am I doing here at Impact? Why this? Why, why, why this whole, why, why, why the bus? You ask better questions than him. Number one, interview ourselves. Number one, it's because we can, okay? We like to ride in style. We like to live in style. Look, look at this jewelry. I feel like the old me again. <laughs> but why Impact Wrestling? Hey, Don, I'm going to teach you something about myself. Please. As a child, I fancied myself as a little bit of a hobbyist. I was a collector. Really? Did you know that I collected comic books, Don? I love comic books. Yeah. Well, I had to quit. You know why? Because no matter how much money I spent, no matter how many rare comic books I collected, I could never get the most rarest, the most valuable prizes amongst all the collectors in the comic book industry. Now I found a new hobby, and I have the most valuable prize of them all. The Action Comics number one. That's Superman's debut, by the way. I know. <laughs> and hell, I don't mind if I add an X-Men number one to my collection. Triple A title. I don't mind if I add a Spider-Man number one to my collection. That'd be pretty cool. Who knows? Maybe that's the Impact Champion. You guys have got a great champion, right? Fantastic. Well, the thing is, I love traveling. I love the lifestyle that pro wrestling affords me. And as long as I have this, 
I don't mind having a little bit of fun in my spare time. We got titles here. We, Why not add a little bit to my collection? Who knows? Yeah, but for now, Don Cows, we're about, I don't know, uh, 24 hours away from a big announcement at AEW. We gotta get to Jacksonville. And if you blow thought, the lid off Dynamite, Kenny. And if you thought the Lex Express was riding in style, yeah. <laughs> I got something even better planned for tomorrow. Something really? even cooler. Give us a little bit. Come on. I can't tell you. you can't tell us? Okay, okay. Well, give, do the hey, thing, here's, a clue, here's a clue. Lex Luger. Okay. Okay. You think it? We have the, we have the boss? What else? Oh, I think I know where you're going with that. Yeah. You know what? You know what? You know what would be perfect? What? Do the thing. Okay. Can you do the thing? They all want to see the thing. Yeah, they, I, I, Josh might faint. Hopefully, if you, you do guys it, didn't actually ahead. think I was going to wrestle or defend this belt, yeah, but yeah, I am yeah. going to give you the thing. And this will be the first time I've done the thing on TV in a long time. So I'm going to do the thing. And, and, and you ready for it, Don? We're going to pull up the Twitter thing. You probably heard it before, right? You know the thing. Everyone knows the thing. Okay. Do it. Must be you, Jew. Goodbye. Mwah. And good night. Oh my God, it's so great. Bang! Yes! <sighs> Let's get out of here. Oof. Back to Stanford, kid. <sighs> Thanks for coming. Champ? You're not a, I like him. He's not a bad guy. You're not really a stooge. Okay, so right there on a luxury bus, Lex Express, whatever. There was Don Callis sitting there with Kenny Omega, and they explained thoroughly why they did what they did to John Moxley. A gentleman's agreement. You heard Tony Schiavone in the broadcast. What happened to the gentleman's agreement? No garbage cans. No CZW garbage match from John Moxley, like we saw the majority of his time as heavyweight champion. Very few times there was just a wrestling match. It always had some kind of stipulation. Well, they had before the match a gentleman's agreement. There would be no objects, nothing. And there was Don Callis coming in with that microphone to split Moxley's head open. So after all, there was blood and guts in this matchup. But ultimately, you could hear the story being laid out. Don Callis telling Josh Matthews, it was so funny to call him an original like Stanford stooge because Josh Matthews did spend time in the WWE. I just love that, those jabs at Matthews because he's in the WWE. It's kind of funny. Um, but I, when you saw... Kenny Omega on Impact Wrestling TV, that gave Impact Wrestling a little bit of a jolt. A little bit of a jolt. And that was a positive for Impact Wrestling. They, I've not seen ratings on a regular basis for Impact. They're so minuscule. But I saw on Dave Meltzer's website that it was something like 225,000 plus People actually watched Impact Wrestling, so you could tell that there was just wrestling fans, AEW fans, Impact Wrestling fans all came together to see what it would look like in that final segment on the this past Tuesday to see exactly what would happen if Kenny Omega, an AEW wrestler, would be on Impact Wrestling. You don't get that. You don't get that hardly anymore. And that's why what we saw was special, and it was different. I just want to just point this out. You as a wrestling fan are entitled to like what you like. I will never tell you what to like, but you can't tell me what I should like. And that for me is storytelling and then storytelling in the ring and then tell, taking me on a ride on a journey. Just like when I watch a movie or a television show of any other kind, I want to be able to be in the moment and I've seen every spot in wrestling. you actually seen every spot in wrestling when you've watched wrestling as long as I have, right? And so 
to see something new, something fresh, something that we haven't seen in a long time meant something to me. Just to see those clips, I'm like, well, maybe I should go back and watch the full Dynamite. Uh, I'm not going to do that. But just to see those clips and say, oh, there's a little spark there. It's a little, little bit of a spark. To see AEW and Impact Wrestling working with one another. Now, I thought it is uh, it was a little strange to see these two in bed with one another. But there's something that's going to happen moving forward. Whatever happens, it'll be interesting to see what happens. See, that's what happens when you have episodic television, real op- episodic television, not just cranking out episodes because you have to or because a network is paying you. You're doing episodic television because you want to see from week to week what happens with this company. And so it is strange for Impact Wrestling and for AEW to be in bed with one another, at least on the surface, with the AEW champion being on Impact TV. Yeah, it is strange. But what happens next week and the next week and the next week? And where are you leading this to? That's the difference. When you can tell those stories over a seven to eight to nine week period and you pay it off, that's great. And hopefully the payoff is worth the wait. Hopefully the payoff will be worth the wait because that's what wrestling has always been. And if you're just a pure WWE fan, you only watch WWE, you're, especially over the last 25 years, or you, you're used to this person is upset with this person and they're going to fight on pay-per-view because someone took Shotzi Blackheart's tank or because someone talks about somebody else's mama or something stupid, some dumb shit like that. It's always been so, well, I'm mad at you. Well, I'm mad at you. Well, let's fight on pay-per-view. After a one-week build, a two-week build, hardly a three-week build, or just a week build overall. That's not the entire WWE, but a lot of it has just been, well, we got to get to the next pay-per-view. Why? Because they're in the top of the, the rankings. They're the best wrestling company from a fan standpoint and a money standpoint that's out there in North America. And people don't mind a two-week or three-week build. Well, I I do. I do mind that because that's not how I came up as a wrestling fan. You know, it's it's uh it's kind of interesting guys to see Tony Khan getting getting himself involved in all of this, right? It's one thing for Don Callis and Kenny Omega and and to try to find out what they're doing, but I saw this promo with Tony Schiavone and Tony Khan. And it had the old Mid-Atlantic wrestling background. It says Ollie Wrestling, but it's kind of like in the same way that Mid-Atlantic used to. You can go and Google that. You can see how the writing was on the step and repeat behind them, the background behind them. Uh, I like what I'm seeing from definitely from Don Callis and Kenny Omega because I'm interested in knowing what's next. But then I, I saw this. This was on Impact Wrestling as a an ad, a commercial. The following announcement is paid for by All Elite Wrestling, home of AEW Dynamite, last week's number one cable program. Here's the owner of AEW, Tony Khan. Thank you, Mr. Shivani. Hey, Impact Wrestling. It's great to be here tonight via this paid ad that's allowed me to join you. I understand the brand new AEW World Champion Kenny Omega is going to be here on this show tonight, so I thought I would join him. If I wanted to stop it, Tony, I absolutely could. Yes, I know that. I could file an injunction. I could tell Kenny he's in breach of contract, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, I thought I would actually help fund the show via this ad because I think it's going to help 
It's going to help the budget. It's going to help the bottom line. And hopefully it helps promote AEW to have our champion on this show. The only thing I don't like about it is the way Kenny won the belt. It was a joke. It was disgraceful. It was terrible. It was terrible. John Moxley, the greatest champion in wrestling, he didn't deserve that. But let me tell you something. Don Callis, you're welcome to come with Kenny tomorrow, too. In fact, Kenny, I know how you're arriving at the show. I handled it. I hand, you know, set up your arrival. We're more than happy to accommodate you. We're just really looking forward to seeing you, buddy. Tomorrow night, AEW Dynamite. Tune in. We got a real big card with big main events. Like Orange Cassidy versus MJF for the Dynamite Diamond. And Lance Archer and the Lucha Brothers versus Eddie Kingston, the Butcher, and the Blade. And I understand they have some tag teams here in Impact Wrestling, Tony. I've heard that. I've heard yeah. they have some. Well, you're going to see the greatest tag team in the world, the world tag team champions of the Young Bucks, taking on Jack Evans and Anelico, TH2, tomorrow night. The Young Bucks are the best. And let me tell you something, Tony. Some of these teams around here, maybe I'll come check them out. In fact, I have some investments in Nashville, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. There's some rumors that I might even buy Impact Wrestling. You you spent a cup of coffee in Impact Wrestling yourself, didn't you, Tony? Yeah, one night, and then I quit the business for 18 years. 2002. 2002. Well, I'm glad I brought you back, Tony. It was my pleasure. I'm thrilled to have you. I love you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Thanks. He's the best. And let me tell you something. Tomorrow night on Dynamite, you're going to see this guy, Tony Schiavone, talk to Sting. How long has it been since you talked to Sting? Oh, 20, 25 years. Yeah, absolutely. 25? Yes, absolutely. That's great. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, It's going to be a great time. And, Kenny, I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. I can't wait to see what you have to say tonight. And, Don, like I said, you're welcome to stop by yourself. See you guys tomorrow. Um... Yeah, Tony Khan was standing next to Tony Schiavone and they did a ad on Impact Wrestling promoting their show on TNT on Access TV. Hmm. I'm trying to remember the last time I remember a promoter putting himself or herself on television a lot. Who was? Ah, Dixie Carter. Tony, Tony Khan, not Tony Schiavone. Tony, listen, man, just put together a nice show. You know, I, I just, you know, I know it's got to be great to be in front of the camera and taking your shots at Impact Wrestling and saying that you're going to buy the company and all that. But I mean, I don't know what all that means. But ultimately, I'm really interested in the wrestlers. I know Tony's wants to be Tony Khan wants to be part of the, you know, part of the crew with his. Jaguar shirt that's two sizes too small and his little pipe showing his little pipe arms in that promo. But uh yeah, let's let's just leave it to the wrestlers. Don Callis was on Busted Open with Dave LaGreca as well as Tommy Dreamer. Don Callis, of course, knows Tommy Dreamer from their days in AEW. And some uh comments now from Don Callis about what is going on with Kenny Omega, Don Callis, Impact Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all at the same time. I don't set out to try to to try to make buzz or or those sorts of things, but I do set out with a grand plan. I've always been uh, big plan motivated, and so don't come to me and talk to me about you know the you know wrestler X versus wrestler Y in the second match. Don't care. Um, I care about what happens. In, in history and they say the winners get to write the history and Kenny Omega right now are in a position where we are writing the history um, two guys from Winnipeg Manitoba Canada 
are the talk of the wrestling business and have not once but twice changed the entire wrestling business. And that's all. And, and I, I, it's not a gimmick. The invisible hand is I always, I never wanted to be, you know, like Tommy, I didn't want to be a wrestling star and a world champion. I was a, I was a great wrestler, but I didn't want to be that. I wanted to be the guy who pulls the strings and that's where the invisible hand comes from. I, I think it's, uh, if you think about it, I don't want to speak for Kenny. We haven't spoken about this, but I mean, I think if you look at it, um, being the top guy in Japan is a very different proposition than coming in and being, you know, the face of a brand new wrestling promotion that everybody's talking about. Um, I, I think Kenny just for the last year didn't feel totally comfortable and totally like he could be himself. One of the nice things about family is, you know, when we get together with family for a dinner or to go to church or whatever we do, we feel comfortable. We feel we can be ourselves. And I think because of the bond that Kenny and I have that goes back two and a half decades or more, I think Kenny feels that he can be himself uh, when I'm there. And so I think that we feed off each other. And uh, it's uh, Dave Meltzer has described it over and over again as a Heenan Bockwinkle type of dynamic, where both parties feed off the other one, and it's and it's it's made to be a superior uh, tandem. And I think that's what we've seen is Kenny's just I think Kenny's comfortable and he's comfortable being himself because if you ever listen to Kenny talk. Most people don't get to hang out with Kenny. He's very selective. But, uh, you know, I think Kenny would probably tell you, you know, it's I'm just so much better at this than everybody else. And, and he really is. I mean, Kenny is Kenny's a top wrestler on the planet. And the number two is probably not close. So it's uh, certainly an AEW. He's by far the top wrestler. You know, um, I will I will respectfully say that I think Rich Swan, Kenny Omega is... You know, I'm not going to sit here and pick that one for a bunch of reasons. I think Rich Swan is a phenomenal, phenomenal wrestler. But in AEW, since we're talking about Dynamite, it's a great show. Um, and, and by the way, for all the fans out there, you're welcome for Dynamite. You know, you're welcome. Because without the Tokyo Dome match between Jericho and Omega, by Tony Khan's own words, there's no AEW. So if, if the biggest thing to happen in wrestling has been AEW, then you have me to thank for that and Kenny Omega to thank for that because of what we did at the Tokyo Dome. So I think at the end of the day, it works well, Kenny and I. Um, I think that there's going to be, the great thing is too, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to try to come between us because guess what? We're trying to bandwagon jump. Oh, could I join your family too? Well, no, you can't because you're not part of the family. So I think there's going to be bandwagon jumpers. There's going to be stooges and sycophants that are going to try to bust this up. At the end of the day, you can't come between family. Don Callis right there on Busted Open. Now, did I hear Don mention Bockwinkle and Heenan? Oh, funny you should mention that because that's right up my alley. When I was a kid watching wrestling, I grew up watching the AWA. I'm from Chicago, so Vern Gagne's wrestling, the all-star wrestling show, would be on Channel 26 locally here in Chicago. And every Sunday at 11 a.m., I'd sit with my grandfather 
on the old uh, box TV, the old uh, sometimes black and white, sometimes they just a regular color TV, and we'd watch AWA wrestling. And I've talked about this before. Later on this month of December, you'll hear my history of a as an AWA fan growing up watching wrestling. I'll tell you about that in the weeks to come here on TWT. But I grew up watching. Mean Gene Okerlund before he was in the WWE and watched Bobby the Brain Heenan when he had the Bobby Heenan family in the AWA. Same thing with Nick Bockwinkle. Nick Bockwinkle happens to be my favorite wrestler of all time. It's the first world champion that I saw, and he was Ric Flair without talking about women and cars and money. And so you say, well, what's left? Well, wrestling ability, being a heel, wrestling for 60 minutes, and he was the greatest the greatest that I saw when I was a kid and still is the best that I've seen as a pro wrestler. So it's funny that Don Callis, who's from Winnipeg, the AWA traveled to Winnipeg very often. It was part of the territory, Minneapolis, uh, St. Paul, the entire state of Minnesota, I should say, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, some of uh, the Western Canada scene, Denver, Colorado, San Francisco. There's certain places where Vern Gagne would run, but primarily here in Chicago. That's where I saw my first wrestling match was watching the AWA on TV and in the arena at the International Amphitheater in Chicago. But it's funny, Callis mentions Bockwinkle Heenan, the dynamic of a successful wrestler and a manager that can back him up. It reminds me of this promo years ago. But former world champ Nick Bockwinkle, Bobby Heenan, here on California soil again, gentlemen. Yes, our homeland. Now, you know, I heard Tito Santana out here a little bit earlier saying he's thinking of making the Bay Area his home. Now, that's a little bit of, of euphemistic. Well, oh, that property value go down. Oh, wouldn't it? Oh, gentlemen, now, please. I, if, if he feels he's got to say something like that to win the hearts of you humanoids, you simpletons, that's okay. That's understandable. Now, I have no desire to impress you at all. Mr. Heenan has no desire to impress you. We could care less about impressing anyone. All we want is Vern Gagne, the former world's heavyweight champion. I say former because I'm thinking positive and I'm thinking into the future. This man stole the title from me in Chicago. And I only want all the wrestling fans throughout the world to put the pressure on him to step back into the ring to give me a return match because the championship is really mine. The only person I want to impress is myself and Mr. Heenan, and we're going to do it in our style. Bobby Heenan, that is a very good-looking sport coat you've got on. Yeah, and I paid for mine. Mine is in government issue. Go ahead, interview me now. That's your job out here. Bobby Heenan. like to know a little bit about me. Yes. You're the kind of a guy that just keeps talking, don't let anybody else get a word in. Now, interview me while I can get my interview done here. I'd like to. And don't waste any time Uh talking about other little things that are trivial. Talk to me right now. Go ahead. Come on. Bobby. You know, I got a lot to say. I'm not really? the kind of a guy that stands around here. You bring Vern Gagne out here, the world's heavyweight champ. You bring whoever else you want out here, and I'm going to put this man right against him. They talk about how bad Bockwinkle wants the belt, how he walks his rooms at night, how he, he stays by the phone waiting for someone to call, waiting for Vern Gagne to break a hip or something, how he drives by where Vern Gagne stays in the motel in the house and rolls the windows down, and he's yelling, trying to sucker him out of the motel room, how he, he polishes an old belt he's got at home, how he cries day and night. Wrong. Not day and night, not week and week out. He's a champion. He don't have to do that stuff. Are you done yet? No, I'm not done. Keep going. We're out of time. I'm out of sorry time. to say you better believe it. What do you think? I'm standing We're going to be right help? back with more action. Boy, you lose. 
Storytelling has been a part of professional wrestling for a long time, especially when you get an explanation. It's one thing to storytell, but also the explanation. Why did something occur? Was there something that I missed from the weekly television to say, wait, this is why this person turned or this is why these occurrences happen? I will use... Kenny Omega and John Moxley and Don Callis' involvement coming from a different organization to manage Kenny Omega. And I will use that as an example and then go to 1977 all at the same time. Why, Hood? Why are you doing this? Because I want to tell you the story of Ernie Ladd turning on Dusty Rhodes. Big Cat Ernie Ladd, Dusty Rhodes, two baby faces in the Eddie Graham, Florida Territory, right? This is at the Miami Beach Convention Center, and Gordon Sully is rolling the tape for people that missed this house show, right? You remember house shows, don't you? Yeah, me too. So there was a time under Eddie Graham's uh, championship wrestling from Florida where they would always have a camera in the arena just in case there would be an angle that would be shot. And there was an angle that was shot. This is not part of their usual TV show. This was an angle that was shot in a house show. And there was Ernie Ladd there trying to explain why he turned on Dusty Rose. They were a tag team in this matchup here. Listen to the story from Ernie Ladd. Why did this happen? Why, Ernie? Why? Here's the point. As you'll see, Buddy Wolf comes over, catches Dusty Rhodes, runs him into the ring post. Rhodes is down and out, and of course, uh, you're caught uh, in this front headlock, and Rhodes is trying to get wait, to his feet wait, now. Wait just a minute right here. Let me explain something to you. Now, I don't know where you got that uh, bit of film right there. That was not in the match, and the match took place. You could do anything on the film. What are you trying to make this thing look like a Watergate situation? Not at all, Mr. Ladd, but that's exactly what did occur. Buddy Wolf ran his head into that post. As you can see, Dusty Rhodes at this point is, is in... Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. The man was out signing autographs again. You saw before the match started, he was so worked up and geared over the fan situation. It's good to be concerned about the fans. I'm concerned about the fans, but I'm more concerned about getting in the ring wrestling. You see how hard I'm battling the man right now? I'm trying to take him out all the time. This man was outside signing autographs. And where this come from, I do not know. A situation like this was not in the match in Miami Beach when I wrestled in Miami Beach. I say, I'm quite concerned. Now, what is he doing draped over the ropes right here now? There's no question. He should have been up there for a tag. He should be in the ring. Koloff's in trouble laying flat his back in the ring. He should go right in there and beat the man. Now, I just put him in the ring lightly. Body slamming a man over the top rope, Mr. Ladd. Uh, hardly is something you could term as, as uh, putting a man in the ring lightly. Uh, Dusty Rhodes uh, has become his face a crimson mask. Uh, he, had, he had been knocked out. It was obvious. I was disgusted right that, at that point because he had not showed no interest in the match up until this point. And I wanted him to show a, a little more interest in this particular match. I think we should have beat these people and beat them earlier in the match. And he showed no interest. I just tried to get him in there and show him where he should have interest. And that should be a lesson to him. Now Rhodes tried to uh, catch his man with an inside cradle but obviously weakened uh, uh, from the loss of blood, also weakened from the uh, beating that he's uh, taken here and also at the ring post, uh, in trouble now, trying desperately to get over, obviously trying to get over and tag if he can. Well, just go to show you, you should have more concentration. Okay, see right here tonight, what do you have, what's your comment about that right there? He was trying to tag you, Mr. Ladd. 
Well, it's obvious. Let him do his share of the work. I've been in the rain a greater portion of the evening. So in the evening when we get our checks, we get the same checks. Here's a man down there. Like, see these fans down on the side of the ring? They're lying down there trying to tell me if that's something that happened at Dusty Road when he was out there signing autographs for those people right there. See that guy pointing to his head with the blue shirt on? He was out there signing his autographs and signing his wife's autographs and all the people around the ring when he should have been in the ring wrestling. Oh, all right, again, it's Dusty Rhodes trying to make the tag. Now, surely, surely you can't justify not tagging. I can justify that with equal time. He should be in the ring equally as much as me because his check will be the same as my check when we win the tag match or when we lose the tag match, whatever way it goes. So I feel that I don't have to be the one to take all the work and do all the work in the ring. And here is Dusty Rhodes, uh, uh, that fatal count of three. Ivan Koloff and Buddy Wolf had uh, uh, double teamed on him. Uh, seeing that uh, Mr. Ladd had eliminated himself, so to speak, from the match. Now, exactly, what is your, what is your purpose in this, sir? Well, that's what he was doing. He was signing the autographs and explaining to the referee the man should have been in the ring wrestling. Now I'm explaining to him, I'm asking him why. Would he be on the outside signing autographs? I'm in there getting my brains beat half out at this point. Nice pool on me, begging and pleading on it. You don't need to beg me and pleading. I'm a grown man. See, he hasn't been putting his hands on me right now. He should have been in when he should have been in the ring. He wasn't in the ring. Here was a man who was, who was your best friend. I, Mr. Mr. Ladd, I, I'm hey, frankly sorry. Don't be so emotional. Just go ahead and tell the truth. Yes, Dusty Rose and I were quite close. But you understand Dusty Rose wanted all the money, didn't want me to have any of the money. Ernie, <laughs> Ernie Ladd turns on Dusty Rhodes because he says that Dusty was writing autographs. Check that out, by the way. If you are on YouTube, look for 106 North Albany. No, that's what the name of the uh, YouTube page is. It's 106 North Albany. It's uh, just so many, a treasure trove of uh, championship wrestling from Florida. Uh, look for Ernie Ladd turns on Dusty Rhodes. You can see that for yourself. It's about a five or six minute clip. I just played you a little bit of it right there. Ernie Ladd explaining why he turned on Dusty because he says that Dusty was more concerned with the fans than the match. And so there was a turn there. And so now that's money when Ernie Ladd takes on Dusty Rhodes. How about another example of storytelling? We use what happened with Omega and what's happening with Callus and AEW and Impact Wrestling. And I'll use this as an example. Let's go to 1987. February of 87. Piper's Pit. Hulk Hogan's there. And he is there with Roddy Piper. And Jesse Ventura is on the mic, Jesse Body Ventura, and here comes Andre. I'm impressed, and I don't impress easy. Now, for this discussion, may I present 15 years undefeated, the eighth wonder of the world, seven foot four, 500 pounds, Andre, whoa, the giant. going on here hold on man what are you doing with him you guys aren't together come on man andre what are you doing here with heenan what's going on andre listen man you can't be here with him don't you know what heenan's done to me to these people out here since you've been gone it can't be so andre listen to me day one man when i set my eyes on you brother you're the reason i got in professional wrestling you were like a god to me, a role model. 
You can't be here with him, man. You're the one that took me all the way from nothing to the world's title. Andre, you can't be with him, man. You don't wait one minute. You're the one that taught me, man, about respect for the fans, about helping the kids. You're the one that taught me about good sportsmanship. You set the, the mold for me to follow, man. What are you doing here with him? I'll tell you what he's doing here with me. He's sick and tired of you and what you stand for. Let me tell you something, Hogan. You're the one that for three years as world champion used this man. You're also the vermin that made this man. I can't tell you what I think about. You used him. They gave him a trophy. But no, that wasn't good enough. It was a littler trophy than yours. But you had to walk out and steal that moment. You're so jealous of this man, you can't stand it. He, oh, this is the man for 15 years that is undefeated. But did you ever once? No, man, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. When I won the world title, he poured champagne over my head. It was like a bond of friendship. You're wrong, even. Did you ever once? Once in your life, offer him a championship match, you laugh behind his back. No, Andre, listen, it's not happening. Tell me it's not so, man. Even though you came out here with him, you don't have to leave with him. It's not happening. Thank you, Ansel, my shoulders. He's got one more thing to say to you, Hogan. Look at me when I'm talking to you. I'm here for one reason to challenge you for a world championship match in the WrestleMania. Andre, please, no, it's not happening. We're friends. We're friends, Andre, please. You can't believe it? Maybe you'll believe this, Hogan. Andre, what are you doing, man? You can't leave like this, man. What are you doing, Andre? You can't buy cross the shirt. What's wrong with him, man? You can't leave like this. You're bleeding. It's not how Andre, come back, man. You don't have to leave like this. What no, is he no, doing? No. You're bleeding. He's, what's, come, come. Pretty cool stuff right there. Pretty cool. Because it, the buildup was there on the syndicated television for the WWF at the time. Andre getting the small award. Hogan get a big award, all the accolades going to Hogan, Andre being taken for granted in the company, taken for granted by Hogan, a, a, a build, a build, a build, and then boom, we get WrestleMania three where we have Hogan against Andre. It was brilliant. And then there it was on Piper's Pit, the Roddy Rowdy, the Rowdy Roddy Piper TV show, the segment on that show uh, for superstars of wrestling. And there you go. They're off to the races. Hogan versus Andre. A match that some saw in the past at Shea Stadium and other places, but never in the Pontiac Silverdome in front of 80,000 people, (laughs) even though they say 93,000, probably in front of 75,000 people, whatever it was. It was a huge house for Vince McMahon and the WWE at that time. So pretty cool. So I just wanted to play those two things for you. There's plenty of examples of this, but I just wanted to give you an example of long-term storytelling. Hmm. A couple other things I want to point out. <laughs> AW boy, they are just dropping the cow, aren't they? They're doing everything. Okay, so what about Shaq? 
So we were wondering what was going on with Jane Cargill or something. I saw this lady on the show, and uh, they, of course, Brandy Rose is overexposed. Brandy is on, she's been a babyface and a heel. She's had more turns than Paul Orndorff in his run, the WWE, uh, or the big show, more modern term, uh, more modern reference. He said, uh, she's had more turns than the big show. Okay, that Big Show's legacy was ruined in the WWE because you didn't know if he was babyface or heel from one week to the other. It was kind of ridiculous. Um, that's what happens when you're overexposed, similar to Brandy Rhodes. So this whole thing with Brandy and Jane Cargill, right? So this powerhouse of a woman comes out and challenges Cody, and Brandy Rhodes does this promo and cuts this promo on Jane, and then there's an issue. I see Brandy Rhodes in some kind of uh, arm sling. I guess you got to look more into that and why her arm is like that. Uh, but I know that there was a challenge made by Jane Cargill to have Shaq eventually take on Cody Rhodes in a match. And then Cody, <laughs> Cody's wife, Brandy, is having an interview with Tony Schiavone and Shaq on AEW. Okay. We have something very special now for you here on Dynamite. I'm very happy to be sitting here once again with AEW's Chief Brand Officer, Brandy Rhodes. Brandy, it's great to see you. Good to see you, Tony. And I'm also sitting with four-time NBA World Champion, 15-time NBA All-Star, one of the stars of Inside the NBA, a member of Papa John's board, and a man you see on Shaq Live here on TNT, the one and only Shaquille O'Neal. Shaq, it's great to see you. You've spent all that time putting all that butter on his toast, but you just have just this cheap friend off. It's fine. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Shaq, good to have you with us. I, I know there's something that you wanted to tell everyone here on TNT and the AEW roster as well. Yes, the other day I was watching the lovely Jade and her interaction with Cody. And right. Look, I'm a fan of Jade. Man, I'll go back a long way. Love her, care about her. Want to see her do big things. Uh, I didn't, I didn't really appreciate what she did to your arm, though. If I can say I didn't really appreciate it either, um, it hurts. <laughs> but I didn't deserve that. She came into my house and came at my people and my family, and that's the reaction you're always going to get if you do that, no matter what. So you can break my arm. She does it again next time, I'm going to be in her face again. My hope is we can stop all this, and then nobody else has to get hurt. So is this something that maybe can be settled between you and, and Jade, possibly on, on Dynamite? That's something I would like to see. Oh, sorry to interrupt. I, I would love to see that. Something else I forgot to mention. I had a little thing I went at Cody on Twitter. Right. Just me being me, having fun. No disrespect to these wrestlers. They're the best athletes in the world. Love Cody, love his brother, love his father. Big fan. That's just me messing around. But you and Jade, I can't wait to see that one. I'll be there. All right, well, there you have it. Thanks for being with us. Yep. And uh, Brandy, thank you very much. And, thank you. Okay. I appreciate you. Yep. All right, very cool. Thanks, Yeah, I'm sure they cleared that up. Huh? Thank you for being yeah, with us. And uh, okay. Brandy, while your arm's in the sling, I think you should uh, watch Jade. You can probably get some pointers from her. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke, right? No, I'm serious. Oh, so you're just going to disrespect me like that again? It just is a pattern of behavior here. But I'm saying, you know what, Tony? I'm, I'm just... sick of this shit. You are an overgrown asshole. Oh, she took the glass of pop or 
whatever Tony had as he was sitting there in the interview, Brandy took the pop and threw it in the face of Shaq. And so we're off to the races, I guess, with that. Okay. It's funny. Tony calls Brandy the chief branding officer of AEW. Uh, what else was he supposed to say? Is she a heel or a baby face? See how ridiculous that is? Now I'm rooting for Jade Cargill to beat her ass again. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, Brandy should be the baby face in all of this, and now she felt insulted because of what Shaq said. I'm not, a, now I'm not the biggest Shaq fan, so, but still, that's all confusing because I don't know what her character is. Uh, she's the one who got her arm injured, so she should be sympathetic, but yet she's mad because Tony gave her that introduction, and actually that's all that she's really accomplished for AEW. So I don't, I don't get it. How about this, everybody, as we get closer to the one-hour mark of this podcast? I'm finally getting to this. It's Sting. Sting is back. What does this mean? Before we hear from Sting, what does this mean for AEW that Sting has returned? Well, it, you could just see that Tony Khan is collecting a lot of wrestlers. And there's a lot of wrestlers that don't have a lot of experience. And there are some wrestlers that have been around for a long time. There are legends. There are indie guys. There are guys in between. There's international wrestlers. He's building quite the roster. So that's cool. The thing is that you want to be able to manifest all of it and make it all work together, right? You want to make sure that you're telling clear storylines and that the wrestlers have a, a clear direction and they're worthwhile to see every single week on Dark or on Dynamite or their pay-per-views. That's something that's very, very important. But now here comes Sting. Now, that's a legend, right? I mean, they have a number of legends and Hall of Famers that's on this roster that are uh, managers or behind the scenes, but Sting is a whole different category. Sting was tremendous, When he started off with the Universal Wrestling Federation, actually probably started in Memphis first with uh, the Ultimate Warrior, the Dingo Warrior. Um, Whereas in Memphis for a little bit, then went to Bill Watts in the UWF. And I saw Sting first in the UWF as part of the Blade Runners. And I thought, yeah, it's a decent tag team under uh, Hot Stuff International, under Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert. They were part of a a um, conglomerate. They're part of a faction, Hot Stuff International. Eddie Gilbert, Missy Hyatt, uh, Sting, the Ultimate Warrior, they're all part of that faction, right? And so we see Sting really get on the map against Ric Flair, the first Clash of Champions. And he was surfer Sting then, and I really appreciated Sting's career. And you could tell that over the years, many people have rooted for Sting because he was one of the last to get to the WWE. He was holding on closely to WCW, and until when that went away, he was in TNA. And he was in TNA Impact Wrestling for a long time. But he was the last man standing. Everybody went from Luger to Flair, to the Road Warriors, to Blanchard and Anderson, to J.J. Dillon, to um, Terry Taylor, to all of these wrestlers that once were working for Crockett, worked for the NWA, they finally started working for Vince. But Sting was the last one, and that's what makes Sting special today. Sting's arrival in the WWE was poor. Um, For him to lose the way he did, like he was yesterday's garbage, was bullshit. There is a better way to treat Sting, but keep in mind, uh, Sting was not a WWE product, so he's treated as such. 
And so his match with Triple H at WrestleMania was one of the one of the worst matches I've seen at WrestleMania, quite frankly, because of the gaga and the nonsense around it. And seeing loss of Triple H and there was trying they were trying to re reimagine the war between WWE and WCW. It had to make any sense to me. It was kind of silly. Whatever. But now here comes Sting reemerging, and you wonder why is he in all all late wrestling? Why is he in AEW? Well, he's there because he's getting paid. My hope is is that Sting is kept special. Not even one more match. Maybe he well, does have one more match, but hopefully he's kept special. He's in his early sixties, and here's a guy here that had some really good matches at Impact Wrestling last time we saw him, but. You think about The Undertaker and his legacy, right? And you think about there are times when you saw The Undertaker and you're like, man, that match against Goldberg and Saudi Arabia, some of the other matches he had, it just wasn't The Undertaker. And finally, he stepped away. As far as we know, he stepped away from the WWE, finally, at peace with himself, being Mark Calloway more so than The Undertaker. Now, what is Sting doing in AEW? He's getting paid, yes. But what are they going to do with him? Does Tony Khan expect three matches from him in 2021? Is he just going to be lingering and hanging around? Or is he there because they can make merchandise money from Sting? What's Sting doing there? So there's Sting. He's introduced. All part of the show that AEW's put together. In the ring with Cody Rhodes. Like I said, sir. Welcome back. Cody, I know that you know every single thing that goes on around this place, but you know me too, and you know what I say. The only thing for sure about Sting is nothing's for sure. Except this. I am signed officially with AEW. And I plan on being close to the AEW wrestling fans and in this promotion for a long time. I plan on spending a lot of time right here. But the way I choose to play Cody is it's, it's my business. Sting is back. So what does it mean? All right. It'll be very interesting to see what happens moving forward. Does Sting have another match in him? And is it against Cody or is it against someone else? Notice everything is around Cody. Kind of reminds me of when Dusty Rhodes was around. Everything surrounded Dusty. All the wrestlers would talk about Dusty in their interviews and their promos. Hmm. 2021 will be very interesting for this company and how they're able to line up all of these legends, all of these indie guys, all of these AEW wrestlers, and make it all make sense. Lastly, War Games. I watch War Games. I will just tell you this. I don't know why there's a need for a women's and men's War Games. I don't know. It became monotonous after a while. Yes, it was two different matches, 
But here's the thing that I always knew about Triple H, and things are starting to change with this company because I've watched AEW exclusively now on Wednesdays. I'm watching it very closely. I've always watched both companies very closely, but of course, as I told you, my issues with AEW, and so I'm now I'm watching clips on YouTube or Instagram, whatever pops up in my feed. But I've been watching um, NXT very closely, and you're starting to see some change with the company. And not necessarily for the... It's not bad. It's just not the same special show that it once was. You're still getting good action. You're still getting some hard-hitting action. You still have a good young roster. Not a lot of mistakes. It looks good. I just think about War Games. It's like War Games traditionally was something that was very special, where there was a huge build into this being the big blow off. Like you've got to, this will never end well. You can't just put this in a normal cage. You got to put this in war games. I remember seeing the first one in 1987. And I just think the war games, especially the way the WWE goes about their business. Look, you know, the difference between the WWE style and new Japan style, the impact wrestling style and the MLW style. Uh, what you see overseas in a lot of different places across the, you know, in internationally versus what you see domestically. It's it's different. But then you have this hard-hitting war games where it's not just the cage. Now there's plunder. Now there's objects. Now there's Singapore canes. It's all this stuff, right? And now you're asking a WWE NXT crew to go hardcore. And what happens multiple injuries every year with this stuff like when jj dylan got injured the one time because of the the doomsday device or whatever they put on jj to injure his shoulder back then on that first war game it's like okay well we're gonna it's gonna hurt and it's going to it's a, it ain't ballet i get it but the bruising and the bumps and the injuries the broken arms that's happening out of this and out of the women's match ember moon like what is why? Why is there a reason for it? This is not an ultimate blow-off because eventually all these wrestlers will fight one another again. They'll be in some other kind of program. So I think it's a little excessive, especially when the builds are not great. I saw the Undisputed Era, and I see what's happened with Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee has been tremendous. He's one of the best talkers in the business right now, man. And I don't even know if he's got a script. <laughs> he's just talking. He sounds like his talk show. Oh, he sounds like when he's on ESPN. He he has been really, really good. But my point is, though, it's like, uh, you know, it, the build for both of these war games were, were not so big that it deserved to be in war games. The, the amount of injuries and, and that I've heard about what's going on with this show after the show's done, it's like, wow, it's crazy. Bobby Fish is hurt again. Yeah, and water's wet. That guy is the Buddy Roberts of the Undisputed Era. He's a veteran. He looks young, but he's had a lot of injuries. That's a place where you don't need Bobby Fish. So I don't know. I, I thought that the Thatcher matchup against Ciampa was very good. The NXT uh, matchup for the uh, North American Championship in which Johnny Gargano wins it. And it's like, well, why did he have to lose it to start with? You made the North American Championship a joke title for a week or two when Damian Priest or Gargano, that's the matchup that you want to see. That's the battle you want to see. Uh, Damian Priest is so good, kind of like Rhea Ripley. I don't even know why they're both on the NXT roster. Actually, I'm glad that they are because uh, they would be 
completely blown off on on SmackDown or Raw. They wouldn't Vince couldn't see anything in either one of those two, I guess, I suppose. So I'm glad that actually they are on the NXT roster. But like you got Rhea Ripley spinning her wheels on the NXT roster when she should be the she should be the face of the women's division across all their brands. While Charlotte's out, while Becky's out, it's stupid that Rhea Ripley's not the one. She's she's not. It's it's other people, and I know I know this is Sasha's time. It's Bailey's time, Oscar's time. But Rhea Ripley should be right there in the team photo as the emerging star, the next one. If you're not gonna push Natalia like you should, or you're not gonna push some of these other women that have been around the roster for a while, then then it really should be Rhea Ripley. On the other side, Damian Priest. There's a guy there that should be the NXT champion. I know that title is cursed. Clearly, because every time someone has it, there seems like there's major injury that happens from it. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just I look at what's happening with NXT, and it's still a very good show. I enjoy it, but you can just tell that there are a number of wrestling fans that are like, nah, I'll go to AEW. Because this past Wednesday, when the ratings came out, AEW had almost a million people watching past Wednesday. Well, of course, they dropped the cow. Shaq's going to be on. Sting's going to be on. Uh, what's happening with Kenny Omega? You want to see all those things, I suppose, if you're an AEW fan. And with NXT, well, it's after war games. And so sometimes the show after the pay-per-view is not as good. What are you, what are you expecting? It was something like 995000 to in the 600s for NXT. The point is that both shows are giving you something quality, I suppose. Um, there, there's a reason to watch both shows. And wrestling, hopefully, going into 2021 will be even better, especially on the other side of this pandemic. Um, if we're in a position where we can go to events again safely, man, wrestling is going to be on a boom like it had been before the pandemic, where you had all these independents being able to draw fans and interest. Um, so the Undisputed Era... Became victorious, but man, there was a lot of bumps and bruises. Undisputed Era, absolutely incredible performance by all of you tonight. But just how good did it feel to have Pat McAfee locked in two pages with God? How good did it feel? Just imagine, imagine the best day of your life, and then times that by ten. I've I've said before how much I can't stand Pat McAfee about how he's the person I've hated hated the most here in NXT. And finally, his mouth didn't back up what he had to say. Finally, Pat McAfee had to be locked inside of war games with nowhere to run with the greatest faction in WWE. Ain't that right, boys? Oh, man, I just really hope Oni and Danny have gotten rid of their false bravado. Yeah, tell me about it, man. I'm really tired of hearing Danny act like a... Guys, for four years in a row, we've gone to war and, and... We haven't won every single year, but every single year we've walked into that cage, a band of brothers, and we've walked out of that cage tighter, and for my money, that's something to be proud of, guys. I freaking yeah. love you guys. Yeah. I love you, too. Absolutely. It's another year in the bank, man. Forever, right? And here's the thing. Um, we're banged up. We're really hurt. Because it's war games. But after, exactly, after mm-hmm. every single war games, we're banged up and we're hurt. And we come back and we show the world who the hell the Undisputed Era is. We showed Pat McAfee, we showed the entire world, and now we're going to continue to show NXT what the Undisputed Era is all about. And that, what's the rest? Good, you can see it. There we go. Oh, Beautiful. She's been watching. Beautiful. Hit the pose, fellas. Here we go. God, I'm sorry. Oh. Eddie Birch! 
Yeah, Pat McAfee kicked out of the Panama Sunrise, the finisher for, (laughs) I can't believe it either. (laughs) I can't believe it either. He kicked out of the Panama Sunrise of Adam Cole. Now, there's a disconnect there. So, Pat McAfee is an athlete, yes, is a great punter, yes. He's the mouthpiece for the company, yes. Is Pat McAfee going to be the North American champion or NXT champion anytime soon? That's the Adam Cole arguably is the best wrestler in NXT. We can make the argument that he's the best wrestler on the NXT roster based on everything he's done, the accomplishment, holding on to the championship as long as he did. And so Pat McAfee, a talk show host, former Colt, is kicking out of the finisher at War Games? That makes sense to you? Because if that's the case... I need to see Pat McAfee in the ring wrestling every Wednesday night or every other Wednesday night. He's kicking out of the finisher? Now, this is just the way it was just lined up, obviously. That's the way it was written. At, you would think the worst wrestler in that cage, in that uh, war games, would be Pat McAfee, right? Now, he's done some tremendous things. The athleticism, jumping off the top of the cage. I mean, I saw it. It was just tremendous. But I just want to just point out, like... He's kicking out of the finishes now? Him? Imagine in some of those matches in the WWF back in the day where Jimmy Hart or Bobby Heenan or Slick or whoever, the, the Johnny V, the whoever the managers were back then, right? Imagine those managers, especially like, a, and I'm not saying that, that Pat McAfee is Jimmy Hart, but I'm just saying, imagine the mouthpieces are kicking out of finishes. Imagine the managers when managers were really prevalent back in the day would be kicking out. Cause that's ultimately what McAfee is. Yeah. I saw his matchup with uh, Adam Cole, but he's on his level that he's kicking out of, fin- of a finish. Now to Pat McAfee's credit, and this is old school. God bless Pat McAfee. He went on his talk show on mad dog sports radio. And I know he's got a, a video feed there as well. And people really like him because of the barstool connection. Um, that dude did his talk show in a neck brace to sell what happened on War Games. Now I don't know if he was told to do that or if he did or he did that on his own, but that's cool. Cause that's kayfabe. He could have just rolled in there and just like, yeah, I wrestled last night, that was kind of cool. But he had a neck brace on while he was doing his talk show the next day after War Games. Kudos. Absolute kudos. Because that just keeps the storyline alive. So I thought that was very, very nice. Otherwise, I thought War Games was really good. There's some things you look at and say, ah, but I liked War Games. I liked the show War Games. Triple H, those guys are doing a great job 
But AEW, in the eyes of some fans, especially some of the younger fans, is a couple of notches better. But the thing is, is that we're all winning on Wednesday nights. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, we're all winning on Wednesday nights. It's still fun, all of it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this trip down memory lane. (laughs) Thanks so much for uh, being part of the show. And don't forget, I'm on mornings in Chicago, ESPN 1000 Chicago. Go to ESPN1000.com, ESPN1000.com, and you can click and listen live to shows I do mornings between 7 and 10 a.m. on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Right there on that ESPN Chicago app, by the way, you can listen live to my shows every morning, 7 to 10 a.m. Central, or check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right there. It's right there if you want to download the um, show right there on the app or wherever you download your podcast. Thanks so much for supporting Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. All right. As always, I appreciate your support on the show. We'll continue to watch and see what happens as we round out 2020 and rounding the turn to 2021. Interesting stuff that's going on in the world of wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan, this is quite the time. And what is Sting doing at AEW? <laughs> I'm still wondering. Outside of the money, what else What else is he going to do there? I guess we're going to find out. Time will tell, right? As always, I appreciate you listening. And we'll talk. join you uh, next Tuesday, another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood.